0: In a world where it is easy to see how the wicked apparently prosper, at least by worldly standards, we must turn our attention to the truth. It's very, very easy in this day and age where dealers of death, where merchants of death, where people who would exchange the knowledge of God and instead embrace a prideful acknowledgement of their own sinfulness, but not call it sin, It's easy to see where all these conditions are met that it seems like those who abandon the way of God are doing just fine. Less and less people go to church, less and less people believe in God, more and more people embrace the God of self, embrace the God of sexuality, embrace something other than what God really wants for us. What are we to do? How long are we to stand idly by How long will God stand idly by and let those who deal in death and destruction prosper? This has been a question that the people of God have asked since the beginning. This is a question that the people of God have asked, and in fact, in the Old Testament... The last 12 books of the Old Testament known as the Minor Prophets, they're a collection of small prophetic literature and one of the primary themes that resounds throughout them is how long? How long, O God, will you allow those who do not fear your name, those who do not darken the door of your temple or these days your church, succeed? How long will those opposed to you Find prosperity. This is a question that we have to ask because we look around, especially during the Christmas season, and we see that there are people who are very concerned with self, and they seem to be doing all right, and there are some people who do not. How long will God allow this to happen? Today, the text that we will be exploring is not necessarily one of the traditional Christmas texts, but it is one that is very, very important to the day of the Lord. Today, we're going to look at Malachi chapter 3, verses 16, all the way through the very end of the book, chapter 4, verse 5. I'm going to put it on the screens behind us in a moment. As you're flipping in your preferred translation, that's fine. Otherwise, follow along as I read aloud the word of the Lord on the screens. If you're able, would you stand for the reading of scripture this morning as we stand in awe of God's word? Then those who feared Yahweh spoke to one another, and Yahweh listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who fear Yahweh and revere his name. And they will be mine, says Yahweh of hosts, on the day when I prepare my own treasured possession, and I will spare them, just as a father spares his own son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Behold, the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them aflame, says Yahweh of hosts. Not a root or a branch will be left of them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and frolic like calves from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says Yahweh of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and statutes I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and awesome day of Yahweh, and he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, lest I come and strike the land, devoting it to destruction. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Everybody recognizes what's going on. Everybody recognizes that there is a distinction between the righteous on one hand and the wicked on the other. Everybody recognizes that in the world in which we live, it seems as though those who pursue wickedness are doing just fine. They seem to prosper. And those who pursue righteousness, who fear Yahweh's name and revere it highly... Don't always seem to get ahead. In the time of Malachi, there were a group of people and they did something very foolish. Arrogantly, they blasphemed against God and they weren't just questioning how long, they were speaking against God. And God, through the prophet Malachi, says, you have spoken ill words against me. And they wonder, how? How did we speak against you? And he said, because you think The wicked won't get theirs. They will. And that is the context for those who feared and revered the name of Yahweh, gathering together and speaking, and Yahweh hearing and listening. And then in the very presence of God Almighty, a scroll of remembrance is put together so that those who fear the name of God, as He revealed to us the name Yahweh, and those who revere that name will be declared righteous. And God himself, Yahweh of hosts, says, on the great and awesome day, I will judge. And there will be a distinction. And all those who fear my my name and revere it will be considered righteous. Mercy will be theirs from generation to generation. But the wicked, they'll be chaff. They'll be set aflame. They will get theirs. How long do we have to wait? That's a question lots of people want to know. How long do we have to wait? When Malachi spoke, it was the last word of the Old Testament. The last word of God. And do you know how long the people of God had to wait for the next revelation from Yahweh of hosts? 400 years. 400 years the people of God waited. During this time, they experienced all kinds of issues. They experienced the changing of geopolitical power structure in the world. Rome had become the dominant force in the world. They had once again recommitted to monotheistic ways and zealousness for the law. New groups, Pharisees, Sadducees, Zealots, Herodians, all emerge and all set the context for the coming of the Lord Jesus. In fact, the people waited, and they waited, and they wondered, why is it taking so long? But Yahweh of hosts is not beholden to a human's wish. In fact, 400 years is the same length of time that it was from the end of Joseph's life to the beginning of Moses' ministry. 400 years where the people of God became slaves in Egypt. And they cried out, how long? And Yahweh waited Once again, the people cry out, how long? And Yahweh waits. All of this is to set up the context for how God Himself will break the deafening silence. How God Himself will fulfill the promise that He makes. The very last word of the Old Testament is a promise. I will send you the prophet Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the parents to the children, and the hearts of the children to the parents, and he will make straight the path. The promise of Elijah is given, and how will God answer? How will God break the silence? Well, he will send his angel, Gabriel. And we hear all about it in Luke chapter 1. Go ahead and turn from Malachi, the page, to the New Testament, and then flip to the book of Luke. And in Luke chapter 1, we will hear how God fulfills His promise, how God breaks His silence, and how God establishes the great and awesome day of Yahweh in its infancy. Before the angel Gabriel spoke, there had to be someone to whom he would speak. The man's name is Zechariah. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, we hear that the context is the time of King Herod of Judea. Now, we know from last week that King Herod is a murderous, bloodthirsty tyrant with a tenuous grasp on his power. He is king of the Jews, but he is a puppet king. Rome is the one who pulls his marionette strings. And when Caesar says jump, he jumps. When Caesar says count, he counts. When Caesar says collect, he collects. He is king of the Jews in name and nothing else. Rome is ruling this show. But Yahweh wants us to peel back the veil and look past the physical circumstances. Look past the geopolitical forces that rule the day, then or now. Look past the supposedly wicked who seemingly prosper. Look past the physical veil and get an angel eye perspective into the spiritual realm. For the spiritual realm, in fact, overlays the physical realm in which we live. And there is far, far more going on than meets the eye. We know full well that Yahweh is still making moves. The king always has one more move. And as he moves and as he gets ready, the people don't understand. They don't know. There is a man named Zechariah. He is a descendant of Aaron. He is of the, uh, the tribe of, of Levi. And therefore, he, uh, as a Levite, he, um, he, he has this priestly background. He's married to a wonderful woman named Elizabeth. The problem is that God has not blessed them with children. They have not been blessed with children. Now, well into their older years, the priest Zechariah and his beloved wife Elizabeth are unable to conceive. And she has thought that the ship carrying children has long past sailed. There is no hope for her to bear a child. She will bear the shame and the scorn and the indignity of being barren. Another theme throughout the entire Bible. And As it often is the case, it wasn't just the same priests who work in the temple. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they live up near Nazareth, they live up by the Sea of Galilee, and yet there is a rotation of priests that's on duty that has to go down to Jerusalem to the temple. Zechariah's duty comes up, and he travels south. To the temple, He goes to Jerusalem and he is one of the many priests who works in the temple. Lots are cast to see who it is will go in to make the daily incense offering for the people to worship. The lot falls on Zechariah. And so he goes into the temple and he prepares the incense. The frankincense and the other aspects ready for incense to burn up to Lord as the prayers of his people will ascend to the throne room of Yahweh. And as he is getting ready to do this and all the worshipers of Israel are standing outside of the temple, something marvelous and miraculous happens. Zechariah is overcome by an incredibly bright figure. It is Gabriel the angel. Yes, the same Gabriel who hundreds of years earlier showed up to the prophet Daniel and explained to him how the coming of the Lord would be. The exact timing of the coming of the Lord. And in fact, how the second coming of the Lord would happen. The same Gabriel who flies from the presence of God and holds back the tide of evil along with the archangel Michael. These two named fellow angels battle the forces of evil. It was Gabriel who stood against the prince of Persia and he anticipated the coming prince of Greece. It is Gabriel who needed the help of the archangel Michael to defeat them so that he could deliver the message unto Daniel. This same Gabriel, terrible and awesome in appearance, now stands before Zechariah and Zechariah like everyone who sees an angel in full resplendent divine glory, is incredibly troubled and fearful. Dropping to his knees, he cries out, What is happening? And trembling in fear, Gabriel speaks. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. What an amazing fulfillment! What an amazing promise! What an incredibly blessed, divine, angelic figure Gabriel is. For how fortunate he is the one who will be the mouthpiece of God. He is the one who breaks 400 years of promise. He is the one who, or silence, he is the one who declares the promise of God will be fulfilled. The same promise that Yahweh delivered through the prophet Malachi is now going to be fulfilled through the little boy to be born, John who will grow up and in the power and spirit of Elijah make straight the path for the Lord, turning the hearts of the people to their parents, turning the wicked to the wisdom of the righteous. Yes, the spirit and power of Elijah has been sent. And it's Gabriel who is fortunate enough to deliver this message. But it is Zechariah unfortunate enough not to believe. Zechariah in his old age does the calculation and figures how is it that I can get my wife pregnant she is well on in years I am well on in years and more than a kernel of doubt creeps into Zechariah's mind instead full-blown unbelief is there and he asks Gabriel a question but this question comes with it not merely an inquiry hoping to discern knowledge It is tinged with unbelief, with temerity, and gall. And this priest of God, who ought to know much better, who ought to know all the stories of old, how those who are well beyond childbearing age can still be miraculously brought to pregnancy, questions the will of God and the messenger thereof. How can this be? I don't think it can happen. I'm too old. My wife is too old. I am Gabriel says the mighty angel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Timing is everything. Zechariah, doesn't understand the timing. Zechariah doesn't understand the timing because he's too old. His wife's too old. He doesn't think it can happen. And so rather than merely receiving the good news of Yahweh of hosts by one of his heavenly hosts, he questions. He has the gall to say, I don't think this can happen. How could this ever happen? And Gabriel is not pleased to have a human speak back to him. And so Gabriel says you're not going to get to speak again until this happens. You think this is a long time to wait? You think 400 years is a long time to wait? This is nothing. I have been there from the beginning. I saw Adam and Eve fall. I was there through the 400 years of silence as the people of God became slaves. I was there when God promised to Abraham. I was there when God delivered to Moses. I was there when God ascended King David to the throne. I was there when Daniel was exiled and cried out for help. And I was there for the 400 years of waiting. Oh, for you human. It may seem like a long time. And from the human perspective, it must. 400 years is a very long time, longer than our country has been in existence, longer than any of us can reckon, and yet, it is nothing to an angel who has been there since the dawn of humanity. And even though generation has come and generation has gone, even though Children have been born and grown into old age and passed the promise down to the next generation and the following and the following and the following. How long, O oh Lord, must we wait? God's perfect timing will never be sped by our imperfect impatience. It can never be. The appointed time has already been set. And the appointed time for the coming of the Messiah would be exactly as Gabriel told Daniel hundreds of years before. Well, now Zechariah has no doubt. Now, unable to speak, Zechariah has to go out and communicate to all the worshipers who, by the way have been wondering, what's taking this old guy so long? Why is this old boy still in there? How long does it take to strike the incense and come out? Something must have happened. And when Zechariah comes out, they all ask him, but he is unable to tell them. Instead, gesturing with signals, with hands, he tries to communicate the fact that he cannot speak. He finishes his duties. The people move on, unable to know exactly what is happening. And Zechariah finishes his priestly rotation, and he goes home to see Elizabeth. And sure enough, after seeing Elizabeth, she becomes pregnant. God's perfect timing is fulfilled. God's perfect will is fulfilled. Yahweh of hosts delivers. And for the next five years, Zechariah keeps Elizabeth in seclusion next five months rather five years would be too long five months <laughs> keeps her in seclusion so that there is no danger for the child so that he can keep a better watchful eye on his bride and in fact after these five months God says the time is now once again Gabriel and so in the 6th month of Mary's pregnancy or of Elizabeth's pregnancy Gabriel the messenger angel of God is again sent and he steps away from the presence of God out of the throne room of heaven descends to earth and finds his way to Nazareth to a little virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph Joseph is of the house and lineage of David And so it is that the girl's name is Mary. She is very zealous for the Lord, just as her relative Elizabeth has been zealous for the Lord. Joseph is very zealous for the Lord, just as Mary's relative Zechariah is very zealous for the Lord. And she does her very best to keep the command and the will of God. And Joseph does likewise. And now betrothed, they are about to be wed. They know that it is less than a year's time before they will get to come together as husband and wife. And it is once again, Gabriel who shows up. This time, knowing that he's not coming to a grizzled veteran priest who should know better, but to a young virgin girl, Gabriel softens his landing, but it is no less fearsome in nature. The bright and dazzling light overshadows the room in which Mary finds herself, and Gabriel comes to her and says, Blessed are you who are favored above all women. I am Gabriel here to explain a message to you. Mary, immediately frightened, wondering what kind of message this could be, wondering what foreboding comes when the angel comes to her. This same angel whose appearance makes grown men cower now stands before a teenage girl. But as she wonders what kind of greeting this could be, Gabriel explains, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom. No end. This is a very good message indeed. Everyone, when they see Gabriel, is frightened, but he casts aside her fear. No, no, exchange fear for favor. You have found favor with Yahweh of hosts, and you will conceive. You will give birth to a son. And Gabriel declares that his name will be Jesus. Yahweh saves. Yahweh come to earth to save. He will be great. He will be reckoned as the son of the most high. And God will give him the throne of his father, David. And yes, Jesus will be reckoned through his human parentage. Jesus will be reckoned. And just as David is of the line of, or just as Joseph is of the line of David, so it will be that his father, David, who had the throne, will pass the throne on to Jesus. And that Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, Jesus will be the ruler over the house of Jacob, over the house of Israel forever and ever. There will be no end to his kingdom. This is good news. And yet Mary lodges an inquiry. Now, this is unlike Zechariah, an inquiry that is not tinged with unbelief and doubt, but truly one of fact-finding mission. How can this be so? I'm just a virgin. How will I possibly conceive? This question is one that Gabriel is happy to answer. And so he says, the Holy Spirit will come on you, Mary. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. God's word does not fail. God's timing is always perfect. And His promises will always be fulfilled How will Mary become pregnant? Not in the normal way. For this child, Jesus, is to be God in the flesh. This child, Jesus, is to be Yahweh saves. He cannot be conceived in the normal way. And in fact, he cannot even be conceived using the DNA or body of Mary. The over the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit will not be a taking of her embryo, a taking of her egg, and miraculously putting Jesus inside. No, no. It will be an entirely new, miraculously created body. Just as God miraculously created the body of Adam and breathed life into it, so too the body of Jesus of Nazareth must be entirely miraculously created. For Mary, despite some... Understanding has a sinful nature. Mary is a child of Eve and Adam just as much as you and I are children of Eve and of Adam. And if Jesus is born using her body, which is of the sinful flesh, of the sinful line, he too would be tainted. No, the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit is a miraculously created body for the second person of the Trinity, Yahweh the Son, the Logos, by whom, for whom, and through whom all things were created, will now enter. Yahweh the Son will step off the throne of heaven, put His God powers in His back pocket, and make the arduous journey to Nazareth. The second person of the Trinity, the Logos, is fused with a human hominid body. In the same way that the spirit of Adam was breathed into a hominid body created by God, so too the second Adam is miraculously created in bodily form so that the eternal operator of that body can become one with it and Jesus of Nazareth is now conceived. This is what happened the time the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. God miraculously created His body from nothing. And now His body is to be carried by Mary. Yes, she will make an arduous journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, but it is Jesus Himself who makes the far more arduous journey from the throne room of heaven to fallen human life here on earth. He's the one who now has to take a sabbatical of sorts, stepping away from the power and knowledge and creation that are His by right and enters the world that He made to be carried. The most vulnerable spot, the most vulnerable position for any person is the very beginning. And His body, just having been created, the eternal Son of God enters this body and now Jesus of Nazareth is around. This is the same Jesus of Nazareth who after the arduous journey to Bethlehem will be born. This is the same Jesus of Nazareth who will be worshipped. This is the same Jesus of Nazareth who by time he is 12 years old will grow in wisdom and stature before both God and man and will baffle the learned with his questions. This is the same Jesus of Nazareth who by time he is 30 years old will receive the Holy Spirit descending on him in the form of a dove after his baptism and will start the ministry that John the Baptist has prepared the way for. Elijah has prepared the way for the Lord and now the Lord himself will come and he will set the captive free. He will make the blind to see, the lame to walk. He is the one who will cause all that is bad to be flipped upside down. He's the one who will walk on water. He's the one who will tussle with the devil. He's the one who will remember all the scripture that he wrote. He's the one who will preach the highest ethical sermons of all time. He's the one who will turn a little bit of bread into a lot of bread. He's the one who will rise from the dead. Having raised other people from the dead, he himself will be raised from the dead. Having died on the cross in a sinless state for our sinful state. This is the journey that Jesus will make. And it started right here. For before this time, the Son of the Most High was never known as Jesus. He was the Logos, the Word, the eternal Son of Yahweh. Yahweh the Son, God Almighty. And from now on, He will be reckoned as Jesus, Yahweh saves, the Messiah, the Christ. And Mary, completely overwhelmed by what God has done for her, she goes to see her relative, Elizabeth. She doesn't go right to Joseph. She doesn't go to Joseph. She goes to her relative. She goes to see Elizabeth and to see Zechariah. When she arrives, Zechariah can't speak, and yet Elizabeth is there to speak. And Elizabeth says, How am I so blessed that the mother of my Lord would come to see me? For as soon as you came, as soon as we heard your voice, the child within me leapt for joy. Almost like a calf led out of a stall. He's ready. He's ready. He's ready to make straight the path for the Lord. He is ready. And Mary says, blessed are you who believe the promises of Yahweh. And Mary starts to think about the promises of Yahweh. And she sings a glorious song. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things with me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Malachi said something just like that. Those who fear and revere his name will be spared from generation to generation, just as a father spares the son who serves him. Mary continues in joy. God's promises are good, and God's timing will always be fulfilled at the appointed time. Just as Malachi, 400 years before Mary sang, Malachi spoke. He spoke the word of Yahweh, castigating the arrogant, calling the prideful to cease Indicating the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. But know this, and know this full well. Those who are righteous are never righteous by their own account. Even Malachi knew that. For it was Malachi who said the words of Yahweh. They will be considered righteous, and they will be spared just as a father spares his son. It is compassion. It is mercy. It is forgiveness that God offers through Yahweh saves. It is not righteousness that you or I do that makes us good with God. It is no service rendered unto Him that you perform or that I perform that makes us right in His sight. No, He spares us because we are just as wicked as those who refuse to fear His name, as those who refuse to revere the name of Yahweh. But we who do fear understand that fear is the beginning of knowledge fears the beginning of wisdom and just as the power and spirit of Elijah will cause John the Baptist to fulfill the ministry of Elijah turning the wicked to the righteous wisdom of God so too we recognize that our righteousness is no different from the wickedness of the world we deal in death just as much as the world we deal in destruction just as much as the world. We are sinful, just like the world is sinful, and yet we are not reckoned as sinful because we who fear the name of Yahweh, who revere the name of Yahweh, believe the word of Yahweh. And Yahweh saves has come to earth. God with us. Emmanuel. Jesus means Yahweh saves. Christ is the Messiah. And He has been born to bring about our forgiveness our mercy our salvation and he did so by taking our place our place on the cross it's you and I just like every wicked person who deserves to die a sinner's death upon the cross but it is Jesus who is God in the flesh who never sinned who died that sinner's death he who had no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God And we traded places with God Almighty in that cosmic swap, for it was His righteousness that hung on the tree, and it was our wickedness that has been covered by His righteousness. Now, we can stand in the presence of God just as Gabriel stands in the presence of God. We can do so not because we have never chosen poorly, as Gabriel has never chosen poorly, but we stand in the very presence of God because we have chosen wisely. We've chosen to place our faith in Jesus of Nazareth, who's not really from Nazareth. Jesus, God in the flesh, Yahweh saves. And by placing our faith in Him, by believing in our heart that He died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead for our justification, we are saved and we move from the line of distinction that once demarcated us as wicked to those who are now reckoned as righteous. And we did nothing good to accomplish it. Nothing good to earn it. All we did was place our faith. We did no action. And yet now, we spend the rest of our lives fulfilling the actions that God has appointed in His infinite wisdom before the creation of the world to be fulfilled at the appointed time through us We now do the good works that he prepared in advance for us to do because we are reckoned as righteous. All of this is possible because Yahweh saves, stepped off the throne room of heaven and was connected to a body miraculously created by the Holy Spirit inside the gal Mary. This is the good news for us. How long do we have to wait for the great and awesome day of the Lord? It has already begun. It has already dawned. The day that is great and awesome of Yahweh is here and now. And while we wait for the end of this day, while we wait for the twilight of this day, the second coming, the second advent of Yahweh saves, He will judge. But I have no fear of that judgment for fear has to do with punishment. And my punishment was already taken. All that's left is a reverence and awe for his name. So let us who revere and stand in awe of his name, stand together. If you believe in the name of Yahweh saves, if you revere the name of Yahweh, if you once had fear, but now know that That fear no longer has place, but is replaced with perfect love because fear has to do with punishment. But Yahweh saves, took our punishment. We take that reverence and take that awe for his name and live out of love to do the mighty work of making disciples, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Let us go to Yahweh in prayer.